0: This was a two-week series that I wrote a long time ago, and I felt like it wasn't the right time to deliver. So I have a plethora of sermons and I kind of position them accordingly based on the needs of the church and where I feel God leading me to give you a word. And it's not easy, but I've learned to try to be cautious on how I present when and where. And remember at the end of this sermon that I love you. Remember at the end, he did say he loved me. He did say he loved me, because if I didn't love you, I wouldn't give you this word. Because if, if somebody really loves you, they, they tell you what you need to grow, not what you need just to feel good. Because that that won't last forever. The feel good comes with the growth in the long term, and you'll be blessed for it. Can I give you guys word today? I'm feeling a little sticky. With sweat, I don't know what's going on. Is it me or is it old age or is it the gym? A little little tacky tacky? <laughs> you got any post-it notes? They'll just work without this stuff right to my head. I'm calling this two-week mini-series, Giving Greater. Giving Greater. I want to go to Malachi. Amanda, I don't know. I don't know if they can handle this, Amanda. Well, it is the Bible. Okay, we'll read it. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8 through 10. Malachi was a prophet. He's speaking on behalf of God here. And as we read this, I challenge you to see if this matches the world we live in today. And as I speak this, I'm preaching to me as well as I'm preaching to you. Verse 8, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offering, says the Lord. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe, everybody say whole, tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says God. Has God not blessed you? He says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw out, open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing. Everybody say so much blessing that there will not be enough room for you to even store it. Isn't that what we want? We're believing for it. This is how we get there. That there will not be even... Enough to store it. This week one of two weeks today on Giving Greater is called Why Are You Waiting? Ooh, that's so direct. Yeah, I know. I love you. I love you. Hey, I love you, man. Well, I hate you now. Not me. You guys are like, well, I loved you then. But until church was over, I'll love you again. <laughs> This is gonna be good, Kirk. It's gonna be good. I used to wait tables. Anybody ever wait tables? Did you enjoy it? Allison enjoyed it. Good for you. Or is that Nicole? Oh, geez, I can't even see. Nicole, I'm like, I I thought it was Allison and then Nicole's voice came out. Like, that's not Allison. I used to wait tables at Eddie George's Sports Bar in Nashville across the street on 4th Avenue from the arena. So I wouldn't say it was a fun job, but I learned a lot. I was a waiter. And if, 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 if I can recommend waiting without all the junk I picked up in the kitchen from people and the ugly things, I would recommend it briefly at some stage in your life because it'll, it'll humble you. Michelle waited tables, too. And um, I can say I hated it. But I'm so thankful that I did it, and here's why. Because one time, so this, this restaurant was inside a hotel across the street. We were in the Hilton Hotel, sports bar inside the hotel across the street from the arena. And when there was events, man, that thing would just flood hundreds of people in seconds. And then during the week, it was kind of dead. And so I was a musician, go figure, Nashville, living on pennies and, 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 and in debt and, and struggling bad with a private school bachelor's degree, might I add, but that don't help me much when I'm pursuing a music career. Sorry, mom and dad, but it did get me there, so I went ahead and got the degree, thank God for that. And, and I remember these people would come in, you know, and, and like if you could just get a decent tip, it was like, thank you, Lord. I used to get homeless people, this is serious, at night when I leave asking me for money, and I said, you give me a nickel because I'm broke. I mean, I'd get into it with these people because they'd, one time I got so fed up with it, I just took what I had and I threw the coin about 50 feet. And it was true because I was so struggling that I'm like, they're asking me for money. I don't have anything. But what I do? I gave them what I had. And this one time, and I'm not proud of this, but I'm telling you because it's, it will be funny in hindsight, Rusty, you'll laugh at this, but it's true. And uh, it could get you arrested maybe in real life, but don't ever try it. But like one time this couple came in and I guess I was kind of new and I messed up like their tea or something. And I waited on them and I did their meal and it was like really slow. It was middle of the week. No one was there but this couple. And so you know you don't weren't going to make anything. You weren't going to get even a scrap of a tip, you know? And, and 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 I busted my tail for them, right? And so I did everything and I come back and guess what I found on the table? Anybody want to guess? A penny. 1 cent like a $50 meal. Now, to stand up for all the waiters out there is a hard job. And even when they make mistakes, they're not making nothing. So I learned like, you should tip your, your waiters. You know what I did? I'm not proud of this. I lost my temper, I took that coin, I saw him walking out in the sermon, in the lobby mic and I took my pen and I said, you keep it! And I threw it across, meme coin throwing is a pattern. I threw it across the lobby of the Hilton Hotel, downtown Nashville, Tr- check the cameras, I did it. And I almost got fired. And at that point I was like, I don't even care. I'm making nothing anyway. A Penny, they gave me a penny. I gave everything to them, Mike. And they gave me a penny because it wasn't enough. It wasn't even the norm. It was just a penny. It was, a, it was an intentional attempt to say, it's not enough. You're no good. And I was so hurt by that. So I lost my temper. And so, so that was something I learned. And I think, isn't it interesting? that if we don't get our 15 or 20% at the waiter table, we socially think that's despicable. I bet we all tip good at the restaurants, at least 15%. But when we don't tip God at least 10%, or tithe, that's what 10 is, like, like we don't think nothing of it. Can I be real with y'all? Like, Like I almost went to jail over that penny, okay? Because I was violently angry because he insulted me so bad. And anybody that works in that field would have been devastated mad. Can I, can I get amen? Anybody been in this field? But if we do the same in God's house, it doesn't mean anything. Is this speaking to anybody today? And it's actually less. It's less. There's a reason God calls it a tithe. I'm going to get there. But I just thought it was funny because, because I was willing. I was. Just, it was socially unacceptable. And I'm preaching to myself here. And at the same time, I didn't give to God's house. I didn't give to nobody except me, which was very little at the time because I didn't have much to give. But remember the woman with the two mites? Kind of throw that one in there. God said she gave all that she had because she gave up everything she had, not the, not the volume. It was that it was the percentage of everything she had. She was willing. It's a heart condition. So, so I just thought it was kind of interesting that way back in Malachi, that sounds like America. Does anybody else relate that today? Does it sound like America to anybody else? And I know this might be stirring some of you because it's true and we all fight this battle, but as a pastor, I'm trying to keep it real that this is the scripture, guys. This is God speaking to the people and how he felt in return when we leave him a penny, you know? Don't hate me yet, I'm gonna get into more. I still love you. We recognize the value of money when it comes to achieving the things in life we need, house. Car, I love nice stuff. I am a nice stuff snob, you can ask anybody. Good education, necessities. But yet when we think of money in God's house, so many have a distorted view of what it represents and why it's very relevant. This stuff don't happen by itself. Those curtains cost money. I'm not eating the curtains. It's because they didn't have curtains back in the tabernacle. But this tabernacle, like ministry takes practical steps. There's a realness to it. And I'm going to give you more, and you're going to leave going, wow, I never knew that about 1C Church. You're going to find out today. But we recognize it. But then when, when, we, when we talk about giving in church, people cringe up and, and treat it like a negative. But it's something to celebrate. It's something to celebrate. It will change you. Jesus says, what is greater, that which is seen or that which is not seen? It has such a stronghold on our progress within our Christian walk. The T word, tithing, isn't something God needs from you. My first year of preaching, I was scared to talk about tithing, Dawn. I had to keep it so nice because I was afraid no one would come back. Isn't that sad? But that's the word. So at three and a half years in, I gotta say, you gotta hear this once in a while because it's relevant to God's house in its growth. It don't grow itself. God needs his people and his sheep to be faithful. But that's a stronghold and that's a that's a stigma the church has. But the reality is it's how it supplies and equips this church and how it grows your faith. It's not for me, it's for you and God. It does something to your relationship with you and God. And you can tell me all the reasons why it's different for you, it's different for me too, and I'm gonna get there. But that's not what the scripture says. Y'all still love me? You coming back next week? Okay, they're coming back, they're coming back. too many (laughs) herkies, just pulled something. I believe more so in this culture that money is the possession the enemy uses to keep a grip on your Christian walk. He wants you to think it's bad, that there should be no association. But giving is about a deeper spiritual release of control. As we believe for God to speak and move through our faithfulness, which is active, before we were ever faithful to him, he was already faithful to us. What if the key to the very thing you've asked God to open the door to is right in front of us? What if growth only happens at the expense of true faith, which requires not controlling our destiny, but letting God control our destiny and pouring in greater than we ever have before? Like, try me for 30 days and watch God move. It don't just sound good. It's the Bible. Giving isn't meant to be avoided in church, it's meant to be celebrated because it's an active sign of faithfulness. Okay, I told him I was gonna give it to him. You wanna write this down? Are we stiffing, tipping, or tithing in God's house? Are we stiffing, tipping, or tithing in God's house? And some people new to church, like, this is not for everyone yet. But you have to grow into this understanding. That's why I have to teach on it. And it's hard to touch somebody who's never been to church and someone who's been to church 20 years with the same message because it can be received differently. But we can never stop talking about God and his word and change it and leave parts out. I promised you as a pastor I would not leave parts out. I'd fail you as a pastor. Ooh. Stiffing, that's like a penny. Tipping, that's like something. Or tithing, that's like going all in for the mission. The whole tithe, bring into the storehouse, it says. And the easy part about this is I can't give what's not mine. You're like, yeah, I don't have it. Me neither. It's because it was God's already. It's God's already, and we have taught ourselves to withhold or at most give what is left. But God says, I'm first. It comes off the top. If I waited till what was left, there'd never be anything, honestly. That's too easy because of Uncle Sam. Thank you. That's why God's first. Is God bigger than your government? Is God, giver, is God bigger than your, your necessities? God is a necessity last time I checked. I can't give what's not mine. This is funny, Phil. You're going to laugh at this. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I know this is your first day with us, so thank you. Get up for Phil. He's helping us on sound. Damon, Larry, love y'all. When I lived in Nashville, I was talking about, you know, how I was broke. And so I knew about tithing, but I didn't, I didn't give. So I was keeping track of what I owed on a spreadsheet. <laughs> it was negative. And eventually I worked in myself into bankruptcy with the Lord. Because it kept growing, but I wasn't doing anything. And eventually, I asked my mom and dad, you know, what do I do? They said, start giving. So I finally had to just kind of move on and, and change my ways. And it took, it took years, okay? It wasn't overnight. And, and it, I might have been the guy I'm preaching to back then, like, don't tell me what to do. But God did something through me. And it was right about the time I met Michelle, and I wasn't happy because she was the breadwinner, and we were dating, and I had this really awesome Mustang that took my whole paycheck at A.G. Edwards. And it was $416 a month for 2006 Mustang GT. It was fast back then, Nolani. I know it's not. It's It's a chump car now, but back then it was fast. It was 300 horse back then. That was, like, fast. But it did have nice rims, and it was a real GT. It wasn't a six-cylinder business had to wait seven months to get that car, and so everything I had, I poured in that car, and then I met Michelle, and I'm like, oh, now what do I do? I can't buy a house. I can't, I can barely pay the car. I live in my mom and dad's basement. I'm fitting the stereotype. I'm a broke musician living in my parents' basement. That was really what I was doing. I'm like, that's, that's the joke, right? That's the joke, but I had this college degree, and so, and so, um, at that time, I was studying computer programming, but I have no formal background in it. I have a business degree, and I always could just kind of talk my way into situations, even if I was not qualified, and pay for it later, beg for forgiveness later. And um, that's why Michelle liked me, because I just, you know, thankfully, she gave me a chance. Beg for forgiveness later, babe. And um, I started giving to church the first time. Now, keep in mind, I, raised in, I was raised in church my whole life. I didn't give till I was 26. Guess what? And I'm not over-spiritualizing this. I got a computer programming job within weeks that doubled my salary. Serious. Doubled. It doubled it. Now, I'm not one of these prosperity preachers that says, oh, God's going to make you rich and do all these things. I don't do that. I'm more like, no, it's going to be hard. You might struggle. But that was the reality of it. And and it's a lot for people to handle. But we still got to preach the gospel. You know what I'm saying? He doubled it. So right then, God gave me a sign that I was doing something right, that my fear of letting go was actually how to let it flow in. Guess what we did? We bought a house. We got engaged. We we, we planned it out. We had a nice wedding. You know, we started growing in areas that we just thought we couldn't do. There's no way we could do it. It's because we let God in to the equation And so I I just want to bless you with that, that that's a true story, and I'll never forget it. And I still fight that battle, but then I have to remember, remember what God did then? He still does it. Let it go. Let it go. God told me right then, why are you waiting? Why are you waiting? I was stiffing God for most of my life. I was good at taking blessing, but I was stiffing him on honoring his word. Your pastor will never take a salary from 1C Church. And we have a big vision. We want to be a full-time, large church, and I will never take a salary from this church. Now, pastors need salaries a lot of times, but God positioned us in a very unique situation that this church is going to grow, so when you give, it doesn't go to me. It goes to God's house. And I'm not knocking that. Pastors need to eat, too, the storehouse. But I want to reassure you that when you hear pastors preaching about this, I have no personal gain in it I want you to grow in the Lord and you're going to see your church grow because of it it's that easy so I always like to throw that out there because especially people that don't know me they come in thinking something totally different so I tell them no I'm getting nothing out of this. I'm serving the Lord and that's how I want it that's how I want it there's joy in this that's how I want it God has blessed us one seed is a unique thing our journey is going to be different Our journey has been different. Our steps are going to be different intervals than other statistical processes you see a church grow in. But God has positioned us with a unique opportunity. So I want to encourage you with that. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. Do we believe the Bible? Can I keep giving you the Bible today, or are we good? (laughs) They still want more. Thank you, Lord. See how, they, see how I coddle the topic? That's what we've learned to do is, is coddle the topic instead of celebrating it. If we wait till we have enough, we'll never give. My brother told me the greatest line of truth. He said, if you keep saving, you'll never feel like you have enough. So you might as well do what you're planning to do because if you keep saving, you'll always feel short no matter how much you got. And that's totally true. And that's not just church, that's life. That's life. If you wait till you feel totally secure to do it, you'll never do it because there's no risk-free step in life. But there is a guaranteed blessing in the risk when it's for God. We do want to be generous. But can I tell you that if we let generous be our label, sometimes we feel like we're doing God a favor. And this is different. This is not being generous to God. This is giving God what he gave us to begin with. It was already his. I had to come to the realization that in my life, everything I have is from God to begin with. If he didn't hand deliver it to my door like Grubhub, he positioned me to get it through hard work and dedication, but he gave the increase. I didn't say I wasn't part of the formula or that nobody helped me along the way, but he positions us for blessing and puts people in our steps and paths in our way that we can follow to get to where we're going because we trust him. It's not being generous. I'm giving back to the Lord what was his but it always feels harder when I say I'm being generous I used to be the guy that wanted to hand deliver the check to the church I wanted to know that that came from me that's not scripture that's ego that was me we love to give we've given to churches all over the world if you want to know but this is our heart now. One seat church is our mission. But I don't want to be part of that equation no more because I thought I was being generous. And God says, Humble yourself before me. You are not being generous. That's mine. Everything you have is mine. And I'm trying to take care of you. And you lack spiritual maturity, says the Lord. He's pointing to me. I wasn't like pointing to someone over here, I was just pointing. To... <laughs> They're like, was he pointing to me? We've done some really cool things. We built a church in, where's Michelle? What country was it? Vietnam? Now, it didn't look like the church we're building here. We were able to contribute an amount that God blessed us with. Hey, it wasn't ours to begin with. It came through us because everything's his. To build a church in Vietnam where people starving. Guess what the church looked like? It was like a bunch of cinder block. It was kind of like this, but smaller. I don't think it had air conditioning. And I don't know if it had a roof, Damon. But you know what? That was so touching. We're like, this is good. Wow. Look at those, they sent pictures of little kids worshiping God on their hands and knees in a cinder block, hot as hellfire, can I say it? Because it's real, room, starving to just be able to have community. If that don't touch you, that, that fire for God, that's why they say a child's faith is so pure. You gotta have that. Like That is what it takes to be all in. That's what all-in really is. The rest is steps to get to being all-in. Generosity can make us feel ahead of someone else, but that's not tithing. That's being generous. It's a duty and commandment, and it calls us to action regardless of our situation. If you want to fix your situation, put God first. That was a hard pill for me to swallow until I finally had no choice because I really love Michelle and I couldn't be the man that couldn't take care of her. I said, God, show me how to do it. He put some hard work in my pocket and he, he, he put some, some giving in my blood to give to the church and I took a couple changes in my path and that's all it took and things shifted and we never looked back. And that wasn't because of us. He wants to do that for you. He wants to do that for everyone. That's what it is. So why are we waiting? Why are we waiting? Are we stiffing, tipping, or tithing in God's house? We're building God's kingdom. That's what we're doing. When you give, you're building God's kingdom. How many like serving? How many are on a team? It's good, isn't it? Giving is serving. So we're not talking about just financial here. We're talking about everything we have is God's. All our talents, they came from God. All our gifts, they come from God. All our finances, it came from God. There's no scripture that sec- dissects that into pieces. It says, well, this or that. It's everything we have is God's. So when we treat everything we have as God's, God will do something different than you're used to. And giving is what serving is. Let me give you a verse here. Matthew chapter 20, verse 26 through 28. This is Jesus speaking himself. And it sounds, they use the word slave and stuff, Vincent. It sounds ugly, but that's because we're culturally disconnected from the word. That's not what he means. He don't mean you to take, get taken advantage of here. He's trying to show you how to shine out from the crowd and take a step forward. As a leader, he says, Not so with you, talking to the apostles, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be last, or this version says, slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus says, I went to the lowest low for you so that I could be your greatest pastor or leader, is what Christ said. I am your shepherd, says the Lord, and I had to go to the bottom of the barrel so that you could see when I took you to the mountaintop. And so until you're willing to serve with me on that level, I cannot reveal to you the mysteries of the kingdom. That makes me often wonder why he only took Peter, James, and John's up on the mountain. Maybe the others weren't ready yet. Because they understood. And that's kind of like a church well. There's different levels to our growth, and that's all good. But at some time, you want to become a Peter, James, or John and get up in the mountain with Christ. You getting this? That's how we do it. This is how we do it. It's nine to five. But no. <laughs> Those lyrics are great, aren't they? Nate's like, don't ever do that again but it's more than financial. It's, it's, it's everything, but the reason I'm speaking to tithing is because it's first and foundational in everything we give. If we, don't, if we don't tithe, but we give in other ways, you're missing part of the gospel. You're missing the, the, the foundation of the gospel. Oh, man. I said the T word a lot this time. I don't know if I got anything left for the rest of 2021. But the hardest part of being faithful is going all in Versus just how many people you know that got to toe in the water for Christ? There's a pool in there, Lori, that we're gonna get into. Now, would you like me to baptize you like this, little toe action, or baptismo, baptizo, immerse fully? Why do we put you all in? Because you're saying I'm all in for this. (laughs) Should we start doing some toe baptisms? Just hop on by. Woo, you're good. You're good. Everybody hop on by. Just stick a toe in. No, look, look, it's funny, but it's the reality of the Christian culture we're living in. There's a lot of celebrity in this, says not the Bible. We're putting pastors on pedestals, says not the Bible. We're elevating people over the message of the gospel. That is not the gospel. That is culture making it infamous in a very material way. And a lot of that stuff's cool and it's fun and like the conferences and all that stuff, good, but it can never replace the foundation of the gospel that it's Jesus you're serving. And Jesus says to be the greatest, you have to be the least. To be the least is to give of everything you have to those who need it around you. And that includes your church, your storehouse. It's easier to just dissect parts that I want instead of submerging in the pool because it could be cold. It's a lot easier to stick my toe in if it's cold. And if I'm not ready for the conditions that it presents to get all in, it'd be easier just to dab my toe in and feel good for the week. Are we doing this for us or are we doing this for God? Oh, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I heard a, I heard a preacher say, I was, just a, was not a preacher, he was just a speaker. He says, if we're doing all this and we're shouting and praising everything and our heart's not right, what are we doing? If we get in the baptismal tank and our heart's not right, well, you've heard me say it. That's just getting, that's swimming. That's just getting wet. It's a heart condition. We gotta get our heart right for all the rest of the fruit to matter or the fruit will spoil. Just remember, I'm the messenger and I love you. I love you, okay. (laughs) Serving God is how the mysteries of his kingdom Are revealed. Revelation happens through outward expression. I take what's in here and I let it out. God says, I can bless you now because I got something new for you. I was blessing you then. I'm not saying I won't bless you anyway, but I'm going to bless you different and I'm going to elevate your blessing to a new status. You didn't even know you you love that because I'm going to show you something you love that you didn't even know because you finally outwardly express your faith for me. That's why we... We say faith is is belief in action because that is demonstrated. God said in the passage, look at this, test me in this. Can you believe how he talks? He acts like he's the Lord or something. Test me in this. I think the other, I don't know if the other verse actually, the other translation says, try me now. I wrote, try me now. Try me now, zero snap. God says, try me now. God says, I dare you to make some room. Try me now. Oh, man, church, if I could just tell you to try me now. If y'all could stand. Come on. Come on. I told you it would be serious. This is a celebration. This isn't a bad thing. This is a great thing. You know what people want to see in the culture? Generosity. Hearts that are for them. God says, this is how you do it. Try me now. Try me now. I'm not wanting that much back. Because guess what? God says, I could take it if I wanted. Remember Job? God says, this is a test for you, says the Lord. This is not for me. I don't need what you got, says the Lord. I want to see that you understand my love for you and that it has to be number one. And if it's not, that's not the whole piece of the faithfulness. Try me now. Test me if I don't overflow your life. Watch God do the unthinkable as you bless his house. He will bless your Life. Well, that's what all pastors say. This guy's like such and such pastor. He's telling me, I'm telling you that it may not be easy, but God will bless you when you bless him and his house and his will over your life. It's that simple. He says, when you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. So when you do it to me, you've done it to your brethren. It's a cyclical pattern, both directions. And when you give it to his house and you pour all into God's kingdom, you're going to see his kingdom explode in the community. It's that easy. God's simple. He works easy. Faith is easy. That's why those little kids are crying at the altar in the cement room in Vietnam with no air conditioning. Because God's mission is simple. It's easy. It's a heart condition that stops us from keeping it the way God intended. Can I get an amen for that? Try me now. God wants to fix somebody's foundation today. I just want to encourage you that this should be celebrated. We're not going to be fearful to talk about overflowing blessing that God has put in our life. This church is a blessing. I am so thankful for those curtains. Off Amazon. It's a blessing. I'm so thankful that Nate gets up there and he hangs those things and he purposely raises that one because the blinds are broke, and there's all these details of blessing that are just surrounding us. I'm thankful for that. So, what that makes me want to do is I want to give to Nate. I want to I want to bless Nate, and then what that makes me want to do is I want to I want to hug people and I want to show love because I see them pouring in, and that's what happens is when you do that on a small level, God gives the increase, and you're gonna see that little seed multiply into the big thing we're trying to get to. That's how it works. It will happen because that is a heart-penetrating condition that people are starving for, and at first they just want to run away from it. They just want to go out of the church because they're not used to hearing the Word anymore because it's just so nice and everybody's just so blessed. But we got to give them the Word if they really want the blessing to stick around. I'm just saying, I love you. Try me on this, says the Lord. Test me on this. God, thank you for your word today. Thank you for letting us have the audacity to be transparent with your word, God, and do it to elevate your stature in this community who's starving for you and who needs you and doesn't even know that they're starving because they're used to rice cakes, but they need to come to the table and taste what is real food. They don't even know because of the malnutrition is so great. The malnutrition is so great in this community. They don't even know that they're starving for you, God, but we would just keep penetrating with this week by week, seed by by seed, sermon by sermon, high five by high five, hug by hug, coffee pot by coffee pot, we're going to say something's different, I want to be a part of that, and I want to tell my friend, and you are going to be able to move that community and do something great God we're thankful for that we know it's coming, we're praying for it we're believing for it and we are all in for this mission God, touch us this week, touch our finances God show us that when we give our two mites, you're going to bring back a thousand, show us that you mean what you say, that you don't have to be don't have to be scared to hold on to what you've blessed us with because you've gotten more for us, that this is not the end this is the beginning God, show us that this week, try us now God test our faith, give us an opportunity give like we've never given before this week and show us that the word is not with, with flaw God that the word will not return void thank you Lord for life thank you for air to breathe thank you for all these wonderful people and thank you for your gospel holding true in 2021 amongst a corrupt world we're here to clean that thing up and we thank you now and if the house of God can say together in Jesus name everybody say amen